0: Chandra May was a 17-year-old girl from Forest, Mississippi, who had a very promising future. She grew up with her brother on Pea Ridge Road, which you can see behind me right now. She spent most of her days studying at Leake Academy in Madden, Mississippi, just about 20 minutes away from here. When she wasn't at school, she was often hanging out around her home helping her mother care for the family and keep their day-to-day lives in order while her father was at work. In 1986, Chandra was finishing up her education and was scheduled to graduate in just a few months' time. She was a member of the senior class of 1986 and seemed to be excited about what the future had to offer. However, unfortunately for Chandra and her family, her plans would never come to fruition as on February 4th, 1986, Chandra would go missing and never be seen alive again. On February 4th, Chandra had attended school like usual. By 6 p.m. that evening, she arrived at McDonald's in Forest, Mississippi, the same McDonald's you see here, where she worked a part-time job to have a little bit of money for the weekends and for personal needs. She mostly worked nights, and February 4th was no exception. She clocked in at 6 p.m. on the dot, but clocked out just a short while later at 7.24 p.m. She hung around in the McDonald's dining room until about 7.40 p.m., then decided to call her mother and let her know that she was heading home. Though, as time passed by, Chandra never made it home. Before long, Chandra's father called her mother to check in with her for the evening. It was during this call that her mother, Janelle, explained that she was worried about Chandra, as she'd left work quite a while ago but never made it home. Her father, Robert, told Janelle to call Chandra's uncle and have him drive the route to the McDonald's to see if he could find her, assuming that she may have been having car troubles or something similar. Janelle was going to do this, however, as she walked out the front door of her home, she spotted Chandra's car about 100 yards away, parked on the side of the road. The driver's door had been left open, but there was no sign of Chandra. As she walked closer, she saw that everything in her car looked to be in perfect order. Nothing was out of place and all of her personal belongings were still inside. The only thing that was missing was Chandra. Her mother happened to find a receipt proving that she'd stopped by a store known as Y to pick up a Valentine's Day card for her boyfriend. While the receipt was obviously found inside the car, the card itself has never been located. And since then, the TGNY is closed down and the building now belongs to a Berks outlet. Though we can still get a pretty clear view of what the area would have looked like at the time, as not much has really changed since then, aside from the businesses that have now set up shop here. At the time, back in 1986, Forrest was home to just 5,000 people these days, that number still hasn't changed. So what you see now is pretty much how it would have looked back then. And honestly, it's kind of strange to see how this place has remained exactly the same for such a long period of time. Unfortunately, this is where Chandra's case begins to derail. Her parents decided to get into Chandra's car and park it in her normal parking spot in the driveway. At the time, they had no idea that her vehicle was a crime scene, Thus, in moving the car, they contaminated any fingerprints that may have been found on the door or the wheel of the car. To make matters worse, when her family contacted police to report her missing, officers never took any tire track samples that would have been seen nearby her car, nor did they bother collecting any other form of evidence from the crime scene. In reality, though, you can't really blame the police too much. You have to keep in mind this was 1986, and the police force back then was far different from what it is today. Police believed that Chandra must have wandered off somewhere nearby, so they didn't spend much time investigating her alleged disappearance. To make matters worse, they also adhered to the 48-hour policy, in which they refused to look for a missing person until 48 hours have passed since they were last seen. These days, most missing person cases are investigated almost immediately. However, unfortunately for Chandra and her family, officers refused to look for her, ensuring that any evidence that could have been found was long gone before an investigation had even begun. Though it wouldn't be long after police began searching that they called in the help of the MBI and the FBI to try to track Chandra down. This is where the case hits somewhat of a dead end. Tips and rumors began to pour into the local police department, but none of these leads led anywhere useful. The first big break in the case wouldn't come until weeks later on February 26th. A firefighter had been searching for worms to use on an upcoming fishing trip near Baker's Creek just outside of Bolton, Mississippi. As he was hunting, he noticed something strange floating down the creek. He investigated the item and realized that he had found the body of Chandra May, who had been badly bruised and battered. Police were called to the scene, and the man who discovered Chandra was given a $5,000 reward for locating her body, as was promised by Chandra's family. The problem with this discovery is that the water had contaminated any usable evidence that could have been collected from her body. Also DNA testing was still in its infancy at the time, so DNA couldn't be easily collected from her remains. If this weren't bad enough, some reports say that police mishandled the small amount of evidence that was found on her body or near it in addition to this, derailing the investigation even further. Some of the evidence has also been lost in the years since, with some reports indicating that officers even left behind crucial discoveries near the creek, with them eventually just washing away or decaying, though I haven't been able to verify these claims, so take them as you wish. Police did note, though, that she'd been bound and had packing tape around her mouth, which was traced to a local poultry processing plant. Because of this, many people believed that the person responsible likely worked at the plant, But this wasn't very helpful information, because back then there were multiple poultry plants in the area. Still today, there are several that are still active near Forest and Morton. These plants employ thousands upon thousands of people, so even though this was a step in the right direction, the information was nearly useless. You can do your part to help spread awareness for this case by clicking the share button beneath this video. You can even leave a simple comment below so that YouTube can give the case a bit more exposure on their end as well. And while you're down there, feel free to hit that like button and subscribe so you won't miss any of the other cases I'll be covering in the coming weeks. After a medical examiner inspected Chandra's body, they discovered that she had been alive likely for about two weeks after she disappeared and had likely been placed in the creek three days before she was found. The examiner also mentioned that there were possible signs of refrigeration, but this wasn't confirmed. Around the discovery of her body, countless tips came into the local police department. However, just like before, none of these tips led anywhere useful. What's very interesting to note, however, is that Chandra's body was not the only one to have been found near Baker's Creek. According to officers, at least one other body was found in a similar location. Some reports even indicate that at least two other bodies had been found as well, but I wasn't able to confirm this. In the end, all of the leads that were called in, and all of the theories that officers had concocted, led to nothing. The prevailing theory that seems to make the most sense in the case of Chandra is that she was pulled over by a man who was impersonating a police officer. This theory was first published in an Alabama newspaper in 1993. According to the article, a man named Kenneth McLean was accused of claiming the life of a pregnant woman after pulling her over in Ellisville, Mississippi. When the man approached the woman's car, he ambushed her, with police finding her floating down a small creek a short time later, very similar to how Chandra was found. The reason police believe this is what happened to Chandra is that when her purse was searched, everything was accounted for except for her driver's license. When an officer pulls you over, the first thing he's obviously going to ask you for is your license. If this is what truly happened to Chandra, it's highly plausible that the same man was responsible for several other disappearances. And he likely held on to the licenses of his victims as a twisted type of souvenir from his crimes. In the end, there simply wasn't enough evidence to tie Kenneth McLean to the crime, so the theory was once again dropped. Unfortunately, no one happened to witness anything suspicious on that day so there are no witnesses to the crime and virtually no leads to go on. No one has any idea what this man or woman would have looked like, so police have essentially reached a dead end in the case. What really makes this case all the more heartbreaking though is that we don't even know why Chandra was a target. What could this unknown person have even wanted from her? Was the attack premeditated or was it purely a crime of convenience and Chandra was just in the wrong place at the wrong time? As far as we know, Chandra had no known enemies and there's no one in the area who would have wanted to hurt her. It seems pretty safe to say that whoever did this tour likely did it for their own personal pleasure, but unfortunately we just don't know anything for certain. Though there is still hope in Chandra's case. In December of 2021, the case was handed over to a new team of investigators who are going to look over old evidence and do their best to collect new evidence to help bring the case to a resolution. It's too soon to say whether or not this new investigation will be beneficial, but if there are any further updates in the case, I'll be sure to let you guys know with a follow-up video or a pinned comment below. As it stands, more than 30 years later, Chandra's case is still unsolved, and the criminal behind this case, and likely many others, is still on the loose.